Vertigo Voices! <laughs> so that really loud to mask me turning off the fucking keyboard. <laughs> we do what we must here. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Vertigo Voices. I hope you enjoyed The Wolf Among Us. And I forgot to mention last time that we were breaking away from pilot season for an episode. But guess what? We're back with pilot season. Is it even really a running thing if we keep interrupting it? I don't think so. We make the rules here as we go. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> so, okay, so we're back with pilot season. We're going to watch the first episode of Doom Patrol, which I just realized, technically speaking, this is the first episode of Doom Patrol, but it's not really the pilot. No. No, they had a backdoor pilot on an episode of Titans. Aha. Uh-huh. Well, you would know more about that than I do explain. No, there's an episode of Titans where they meet the Doom Patrol. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, most of the cast is the same. The only difference is Crazy Jane isn't on it. Uh, oddly enough, Cyborg was never in an episode of Titans, which is weird to me. That is weird. He's only on Doom Patrol. Um, and uh, the chief had a different actor playing him. Yeah. It was a Hispanic actor whose name I can't remember. But, yeah, so then when they announced the show, um, the same three play Negative Man, Robot Man, and Elastigirl, but the chief was recast. Also, the chief can walk in Titans, and he gets crippled at the end of the episode. <laughs> I love it. But other than that, it's a, it's, a, it's a nice little setup for the characters. Although, I believe since then, they've announced that they take place in different universes, so it doesn't... Know, whatever. <laughs> All right, we're going to watch Doom Patrol. <laughs> first episode. This is the Blu-ray of uh, the first season, so we're going to hit the pilot. On three, two, one, go! Play. And we're off. Black screen. It's just saying zero. It's not playing yet. Colby's probably <sighs> going to do a lot of talking here because I, I'll i just say right now, this is a vertigo for me, and I really love this show. Why do you do that at the start? You did a Swamp Thing too. you got to build to the <laughs> fucking... It's dramatic tension. Come on, you're in theater. You know this. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I get too excited. <laughs> no, I, I don't like this show, so. Uh. <laughs> well, I like Swamp Thing. Yeah, no, I'm just saying that since you like Doom Patrol, I'm going to say I don't like it. No, fine then. So. <laughs> Go ahead, me contrary. <clears throat> um, I forgot Matt Bomer plays uh, Negative Man. I haven't finished the second season of this. I've only watched the first season in like half the second. I need to, I need to do a big rewatch of the whole series. Because when I was watching season two, it had been since season one was new, since I watched it. So the beginning of season two, they're all tiny. I was like, where the fuck did they get small? <laughs> like, I totally forgot how the season ended. <laughs> you know, I haven't started the second season yet, I have to admit. Well, it like, but... picks up directly after season one. Okay. Um, yeah, Doom Patrol's an interesting franchise. Uh, they were created in the 60s. Almost exactly, like it's like within a couple months of the X Men. I heard that this actually came out first. Yeah, I think so. And but they were probably they probably conceived around the same, same time. time. Yeah, yeah. Just with the way publishing works and all that. But uh, so they're both stories about like freakish outsiders with strange powers who are led by a mysterious dude in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, there's some obvious uh, direct similarities between the two franchises. And for some reason, X-Men took off like crazy, and Doom Patrol never never really became like A-listers. The 60s iteration was around for a while, and then they kind of went away for a while and came back and went away and came back. And It's just been this weird, fluctuating publication history of differing continuities and creative teams. And depending on who's writing it, depends on how serious it's taken <laughs> and how meta it gets and all that. And it's just a, it's an odd franchise, but it's one that I really like. Uh... I haven't read the entire series, but I've, I don't know, I've read a chunk of it. And I think this show is about as perfect an, an adaptation of this series as you can get. Do you know any of the story behind how it came finally to be a show? What the decision was? Not really. There's There was a ton of different 
scripts. Like, like it's well, maybe not even scripts, but it's been optioned multiple times over the last 20 years or so into movies. Um, usually kind of trying to play up the X-Men angle, I think. <laughs> Just DC being reactionary and wanting a franchise and wanting an X-Men movie. And this was like 2002 or 2003. I remember reading that there was a uh, that they'd optioned it, and then it switched hands and different creative teams, and blah 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 blah. And then when the DC Universe app started, they wanted new shows, and this was one of the ones that they picked. They chose wisely. Yeah, and it's still alive. <laughs> the uh, the DC streaming app has ridden off into the sunset, but Doom Patrol's still going on HBO Max. The second season premiered there, and the third season has is in production. They actually just announced that uh, Michelle Gomez, I believe is her name, is playing Madame Rouge in the third season. She's a Doom Patrol villain. And I, you mentioned earlier she was in Doctor Who, but I can't yeah. remember what else I might have seen her in. I don't know, probably, probably not anything. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's really well known for Doctor Who. Um and let me see. I'm going to look her up real quick while we're watching Alan Tudyk get turned into the villain. Michelle, Very good villain. Michelle Gomez. Michelle Gomez. There she is. Um, mm. She's on Sabrina, apparently. I don't know. I've never seen it. <laughs> I, 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 I see her face, though, and it's like, I've seen her and stuff. She's on Green Wing. Bad Education. The Book Group. A lot of British stuff. Chromophobia. Well. The wedding video. Ooh, she was on Taggart back in the day. Really? You know what Taggart is? I've heard of it, but I've never watched it. <laughs> it's a show with uh, Edward Woodward. Oh. Edward Woodward. Wait. Fuck, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm thinking of a different show. No, that's not Edward Woodward at all. <laughs> Fucking what show am I thinking of? <laughs> okay, hold on. We're going to go on a diversion here. <laughs> That was, uh, we just saw Brendan Fraser's ass. <laughs> Starring Brendan Fraser's ass. <laughs> Actually, it's nice to see him in this show. Yeah. He disappeared for a long time. Yeah, he, he had a rough time. It's not the Equalizer. That's not what I'm thinking of. <laughs> Hold on, just give me, give me a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I will talk about his ass. Just give me a second. <laughs> to be continued. <laughs> it's not the Equalizer. That's not what I'm thinking of. Can't be. <laughs> Must be. God damn it. I swore there was a show that he was in that was called something like Taggart's. <laughs> You'll remember it tonight in the middle of the night. No, because it's not on here. I, I'm probably <laughs> probably just thinking Taggart and uh, for some reason conflating the two. I feel like it's, a fucking idiot. All well and good. Um, anyway, so, yeah. Um, what's his name? Uh Brendan Fraser's, Bre Fraser's ass had a rough go of it. <laughs> so Brendan Fraser, when he was doing one of the Mummy movies, he like injured his back really badly. Oh. And that put him out of commission for a while. He also had to deal with uh, sexual harassment with some producers. What? That like sunk his career for a while. And um, he just kind of, yeah, he just kind of got, got pushed out of the limelight with through absolutely no fault of his own. And... Um, this has somewhat kind of reignited his career a bit. Like, you know, like he stars as a superhero now. That's pretty fucking cool. That's awesome. <laughs> and, and it's it, now that he's kind of back in the spotlight a bit more, people are now talking about what a raw deal he had and how he got just, you know, fucked out of a really good career. And uh, it's nice to see people acknowledging that and acknowledging the work that he's done in the past. Because, I mean, he could have been the next... Uh, Harrison Ford, you know? I mean, the right. the Mummy movies were fun, swashbuckling action a la Indiana Jones. Kind of like, um, oh, Christ. What's the modern day movie I was just thinking of that's in that vein? Oh. Um, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, there was something that was just like in my head. It was Taggart. I was thinking of Taggart. Duh. <laughs> he could have been the modern day Taggart. <laughs> Alas. I think the last thing I saw him in before he disappeared was um, Gods and Monsters. That was before The Mummy. Was it? Yeah, that was like, that was like 97, 96. Wow. I mummy was 99. First Mummy was 99. <laughs> wow, yeah. really? I uh, 
Well, you know, you mentioned earlier being flabbergasted that uh, college time. was pretty. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, no Just way. Just completely blown away by the concept of time. <laughs> it was 98 was Gods and Monsters. Mummy was 99, so yeah, it was before that. Okay. Never mind then. Um, good movie. <laughs> He's yeah. great in it. Yeah. I actually, it's sitting on that pile of discs right there. That's oh. my DVD player. Because <laughs> I have James Whale's Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein right underneath it. Nice. And I'm, I'm going to have a... A threesome with those movies later. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna. I I, I want to watch. <laughs> Would you like some alone time? Kinda. If I'm gonna see those movies, I'm, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but I'm I'm planning on watching all three back to back because I've I've been wanting to do that. Hey, there's Negative Man. Hello. The way they do the Negative Man effect. It's pretty good in this because that's a it's a hard effect to do because in the comic he's always just a black silhouette with like energy around it, right? And like, how do you fucking make that three D? <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, I think the way the show does it is really well, and I fucking love uh, Chief um, Timothy Dalton. Yes, yeah. he is he's an insanely underrated actor who's been working consistently for decades. And people think of him as the Bond in those two movies that we don't like. <laughs> but he's done so much more than that. <laughs> he really has. He really has. He's a very good actor. And, you know, honestly, I'm going to go against the, the popular vote here, but I really don't think he was that bad of a Bond. No, he was a fine Bond. I mean, he's nothing, nothing wrong with his take. It just wasn't Sean Connery, so people get pissy. Because people are dumb. <laughs> well, to go down that rabbit hole, it's like, somehow there, somehow he was placed lower on the rung than Roger Moore. And no offense to Roger Moore, but seriously, some of those Bond movies are fucking ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. But that was the ridiculous era. I don't I don't hate any of the Bonds. I don't even hate Australian Lazenby. Oh, no. um, I, I think all the Bonds are fine for what they do, but I, I think that he was kind of hard done by it. Because he was in between two more iconic Bonds. You know, Brosnan restarted the franchise, and... Uh, more was Bond fucking forever. <laughs> oh boy, howdy! Yes, he was yes. Bond. Like when he looked like he should be the Bond girl's grandfather. You know? Exactly. <laughs> he was Bond when he probably should have been cute. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but I, I just I like Timothy Dalton. I remember watching uh, Hot Fuzz in the theater and being like, "Where the fuck has this guy been?" Because he's magnificent in Hot Fuzz. He is. Yeah. Where Where the fuck? I, he's been doing stuff. He's just not not on like probably like American cinema radar. True. He's, True. Been, he's been doing a lot of things here and there. But he uh, he really fucking nails this character. Like he makes this role his own, and he you can tell he's having a lot of fun with it. He and uh, his uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Balls. His, <laughs> his balls. <laughs> They're just off screen every time he's on camera. Like right now. His balls are out. <laughs> the entire crew is reacting to it. <laughs> he lends so much, yeah. so much gravitas. Right now, his balls are just off camera. The actor, what's her name? Elastigirl. Her eyeline is actually... <laughs> <laughs> and if you watch the show long enough, you will see spots where you can actually see his balls on camera. No. You, know what, you know what else Timothy Dalton was really good in? What was that? Taggart. <laughs> I really need to watch that. Very <laughs> Everyone was in Taggart. <laughs> Brendan Fraser. <laughs> Elastigirl. Who I can't remember the name of this actress. I don't remember either. Wait, hold on. I have it up. Maybe. Paper Patrol series. Her name is Elastigirl. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> April ba- Bowlby? Bowlby? I don't know how to pronounce that. Bowlby, I would say. Bowlby? Let's go with Bowlby. She's great. Yeah. Well, she, does, she does really... Oh, that's the only time you really see uh, Robot Man's whole body. That is true. So he's got the jacket on after that. And his torn jeans. Yeah. Which I don't know how he gets in. Yeah, exactly. I don't know how he gets in the jacket. If you notice, the, the jacket sleeves are torn, like right here. Or maybe there's a zipper or something. But it's one of those, like, that wouldn't wouldn't work. Like, you'd have to, you'd literally tear that off every time you put it on or off. So maybe he just doesn't change. His t-shirts change, though. True. There's a few t-shirts he cycles through. Part of the physical therapy process. Yeah. Anyway, you were saying... Uh, was I? I don't you know. <laughs> you were going to say something about April Bulby. Yeah, the robot man became Taggart in the later seasons of Taggart. <laughs> and 
No, it was weird. It was weird to see Robot Man acting against Brendan Fraser because they were both on it at the same time. It was just... (laughs) (laughs) How they brought those two together. It's Uh, Is this joke working? I can't... uh... (laughs) I don't know if it is, but I'm having fun with it, so... (laughs) One thing about Robot Man's design. So his design is very... Like, it's exactly the same as the comic, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, One thing that I hadn't considered until... Two summers ago, I was at a Comic-Con, and I met this artist who uh, I really like, this artist named um, John Delaney. He did the art for a comic series in the 90s called Adventures in the DC Universe. And that that comic was, like, seminal for me as a kid because it introduced me to a lot of DC lore. And meeting him and talking to him for a while, he drew me a picture. I just bullshitted him with him for a long time. He said that one of the series – or one of the issues – before that series got canceled, they were going to do an issue focused on Robot Man. And he said they didn't get to. And he goes, Robot Man's my favorite character in comics, and I really wish I could have drawn him. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, do you like the Doom Patrol show? And he's like, yeah, I like it. Goes, but man, there's one thing that, I, that hangs me up. He's like, just as an artist, I can't get over the fact that Robot Man's jaw doesn't move. And he goes, every time it talks, I want it to be like, ah, 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 ah. and he's like, but it doesn't. And that just bugs the shit out of me. <laughs> That's true. It never does. Yeah. And it's, it's hinged. So right. it looks like it should, it but does. it doesn't. And now I can't not see that. Like, I feel like they probably tried it and it doesn't work or maybe it was too loud or too distracting or something, but it, it, I cannot say that it ever moves. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I did not notice that before. Yeah. Oh, here's uh, Matt Bomer as Larry Trainer. I absolutely love the changes that they made to this character. Um, in the comic, he's just a pilot who gets turned into a negative man. And in this, they give him this whole rich backstory. He's a closeted man in the 1950s. And that's so interesting. Like, that's a really interesting way to take the character. Especially because Doom Patrol has long been, um, like, queer-coded. Like, that's, that's been, like, within the DNA of the series. Um, which is something that I, I should bring up because Grant Morrison was a huge influence on why this comic book is popular. Grant Morrison revived the comic in the early 90s, late 80s, I take that back. I don't know. <laughs> Turned it into a Vertigo comic. And the reason that people know Doom Patrol now is because of Grant Morrison. Mm-hmm. And recently, it's actually been a couple months, but I, I just found out about it recently. Grant Morrison uh, did an interview where he, I say he, and I shouldn't, um, Grant Morrison mentioned that he is gender fluid. And again, I say he, but I shouldn't. Uh, Grant Morrison's preferred pronouns are they. Okay. And this is something that I, I didn't know. And Morrison said in an interview that that through their entire life, they've identified as both male and female. But there was not the available terms to really express that. Mm-hmm. And Morrison said, now, you know, this current generation has has made it safe to to do that, and uh, any he, he again I say <laughs> that's that's going to be difficult for me because Morrison is somebody that I've read for twenty plus years, and in all of Morrison's public uh, appearances, Morrison's always presented as male, and like there's a million pictures of Morrison in like three piece dapper ass suits that I would fucking kill to own. <laughs> uh, but they, I don't identify as strictly male. And uh, that's, it was interesting to read that interview of like this 56 year old person or however old Morrison is um, discussing that as like finally feeling comfortable enough to, to come out basically. That's fantastic. All because of this new generation making that acceptable. And that I think is, is, kind of an interesting uh i don't know not subplot but it, that's an interesting way to look at larry trainer's story in this series and i don't think that was intended back in the day like when morrison was writing do patrol that wasn't a part of larry trainer's story i don't believe but that kind of uh gender fluidity has been throughout the series since morrison's writing like danny the street Right. Transgender street, <laughs> a character that is a gender fluid, uh, literal sentient piece of concrete. Right, exactly. <laughs> and, and it's a character that's, that's look changes and evolves. And at one point 
becomes Danny the Brick. And in second season of Doom Patrol, you see the past where it's Danny the Alley. (laughs) (laughs) Many iterations. And it's just, it's really interesting to see that woven into the DNA of this TV series. Because that's something that could easily be trimmed out. But it's it's very important to the show, the characters, and the creators. Right, right. Well, it it, it makes it feel more, for lack of a better word, authentic too. Mm-hmm. In fact, Doom Patrol comic had what is probably the first transgender superhero. Who's that? Back in 1993, Rachel Pollock created the character Coagula, oh. whose real name is Kate Godwin, who is a transgender woman. And Rachel Pollock is, in fact, transgender. And she put a lot of, like, she created this character to basically reflect herself and trans readers of the comic. That's awesome. Yeah. And so, again, I mean, this this, this series, story, comic book, show, whatever, this is uh, has that kind of, uh, what's the word, progress, I guess, <laughs> baked into its DNA. That's, that's cool. Makes me like it even more. Yeah. I was hoping Coagula would be showing up on the show eventually, but there's not been any word on it yet. The show has uh, brought in some pretty deep-cut characters. Like, there's an episode called Doom Patrol Patrol, (laughs) where you see the other Doom Patrol team, and those are all characters from the comic. Like, uh, Mento and Celsius and... Who else? Tempest? I don't think Negative Woman's been on it yet. I don't think so either. Although the character Valentina Vostok has been on uh, Legends of Tomorrow. Oh, really? Really? That guy there arresting Valentina Vostok on that cover? Mm-hmm. That is Matthew Cable. Oh. From Swamp Thing. Yeah. Matthew the Raven. <laughs> <laughs> Making appearances all over the place. Yeah. Oh, apparently she is in an episode of Doom Patrol. Uh, it must be season two. I don't count. I don't remember her from season one. But. I don't recall them going to Russia or is that? That's just her name. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they do a really good job of fleshing out uh, detailed backstories for all of the characters yeah. here, um, and also the fact that. I mean, I, you feel sorry for Larry Trainer the most because his character does have the most to lose considering the time period in which he lives. Um, but at the same time, they all have... Well, they're just like any other people. They all have qualities that are very unlikable, especially Rita. Yeah. Well, and they're all broken. Yes. Which, again, like everyone. <laughs> like, <laughs> like they're, they're all broken people who are in various stages of rebuilding themselves. Rita has a lot of uh, denial in her life. Even, like, her power is that she's this giant, you know, amorphous blob that can take multiple shapes. And she chooses to look like her movie star self. And she, like, does everything in her power to maintain that illusion that she's... Excuse me. That she's still this movie star uh, from the 1950s that's, you know, commanding the attention of everyone around her. And it's, it's interesting to see that, like, especially as she progresses in this story, like, to see that facade kind of get chipped away and the humanity underneath uh, come out. Well, especially considering, too, that there's several times, and they, they do, again, you know how much I like this show, but we'll save that till the end. Um. <laughs> I wonder what her rating is going to be. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Um, the, if this were a stereotypical... Uh, superhero show or movie, um, she would just automatically hero up. Yeah. You know, um, or there might be one moment where they give the character a pause, like, oh, gee, I don't know, and everyone else comes out to say, yeah, yeah you can do it. Um, there are several situations here that uh, I'm not saying that Rita would have won the day, but if Elastigirl hadn't been so afraid to just use her powers and be seen as an amorphous blob, yeah then the outcome would have been a lot better. Yeah. But because she's so vain and she doesn't want to be seen like that, she doesn't do it. Yeah. It's an interesting support group that the characters create for themselves. They're all broken people who are leaning on each other and they need each other even when they don't want to admit it. Right, right. 
right. The whole like no man's an island kind of thing. Who's the actress that plays Jane? I forget. Diane. Girl, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Diane Guerrero. She's from uh, Orange Is the New Black. I have not seen that show yet. Oh. She's in it. <laughs> now she's in this. <laughs> and she's fantastic in this. Yeah. Ooh, look at that face. Blah, 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 blah. The makeup is really good. That was CGI, but yeah. <laughs> oh, her face? Yeah. The whole thing? Yeah, it was totally CGI. I thought there might be a tiny, tiny bit of practical effects. Um, in poquito? Maybe. Maybe. Okay. I just the CGI sticks out. <laughs> it doesn't look bad, but it looks CGI. Huh. Fair enough. <clears throat> I love, and she's eating a whole rotisserie chicken. That's a big thing in the Titans episode. Uh, It's introduced, like, Larry is making this giant feast, and then you find out it's just for her. (laughs) And, like, she sits there, and she's, like, tearing into stuff, and Robot Man sits down next to her, and he's like, how's how's the chicken? Is it uh, it nice and juicy? (laughs) And she's like, oh, yeah, it's so good. He's like, did you try the the biscuits yet? What what are those like? Oh, poor guy. Yeah. That's yeah, and his whole relationship with his daughter and, like, his, he's a, you know, a douchebag who cheats on his wife and is very full of himself as well, but he still has that underlying humanity. Which, you know, again, kudos to Brendan Fraser is hard to express when you're totally covered in, in uh, metal. He, he's actually not playing the character physically. Well, no, but his, his voice. Yeah, yeah, his voice. They're the voice, or the body actor... Can't remember. I don't know why it's not listed like up front, but you have to dig digging around for it. Gibson Todd. Wait, no, plays him as a child. Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Plays his body. Uh, Riley Shanahan, and then Matthew Zuck plays uh, Larry Trainer's body. Huh? Why? Why did they get someone else for? Because the actors were actually cast for the voices and the body or and the faces or whatever uh, after the fact. Oh. They actually filmed a good chunk of this before they cast those roles. Oh. And they, they wanted name actors, you know. They wanted uh-huh. to put Matt Bomer's name in the opening credits instead of Matthew Zuck. Fair enough. Okay. So, yeah, the only one who is the same actress throughout or same actress of, of the actual patrol yeah. is uh, Rita and Jane. And I guess, I mean, I guess technically Cyborg is a member of the team. True. Yeah. It's, it feels weird to me that Cyborg's in this show. I don't, like, again, Titans was filming and released at the same time. Cyborg is inherently connected to the Teen Titans. I don't understand why he wasn't put on that show. That said, I, re- I think, uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Joyvan? I don't know how to pronounce his name. <laughs> the, guy, the guy that plays Cyborg. I think he does a fucking excellent job. And I think he plays... Their look of Cyborg looks so much better than the Justice League movie. Yes. <laughs> um, and I like the fact that he like wears clothes, you know? He hasn't abandoned his humanity. He's always wearing a track suit. And, um, <laughs> looks like he's training. <laughs> yeah. And I, I really like the few times you really get to see his, like, the chest piece. Because it, it looks really looks really cool. It looks like the comics, man. It looks fucking... <laughs> it looks like he should look. <laughs> not, not just some weird silver Rubik's Cube like the movie. <laughs> yeah, talk about CGI and it's really obvious. Yeah, Christ. Yeah. And what I like about, well, I, I guess my, my only theory is the reason he's in this is because there aren't there several um, iterations of Teen Titans already out there? Yeah. there. I mean, there are. There's an animated series and um, movie and all that, but uh, but Cyborg's a character that in all that media is directly connected to the Teen Titans. True, true. So I don't understand why you wouldn't want to tie those together. I, I'm pretty sure they, like, cynically, I'm pretty sure they just threw him on here because they need a black guy. Like, they wanted, they wanted some diversity. Which, that's not bad. I mean, yeah. Bring in some diversity. There are black characters in Doom Patrol that they could have used, but they probably, more than anything, it was probably just they wanted a, a recognizable character in pop culture to put in this. Cyborg is the one that wasn't in Titans. I don't know. Who knows? There's only a million reasons. I like his inclusion in the show. Um, just when they first announced it, I was like, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not what you'd expect. But it, you know, it works. It works very well. Yeah. And I like the fact that it just in terms of um, 
you know, he's, he's like this really focused, motivated young man who eventually wants to join the Justice League. And, you know, he works out and he um, really takes the whole hero bit seriously. And then somehow he falls in with these guys Mm -hmm. who don't take it seriously at all. Um, he's not in this episode, but I, uh, really like when they introduce Willoughby Kipling. Oh, yeah? Played by Mark Shepard. That character was actually supposed to be John Constantine in the comics. Morrison wanted to use Constantine, and DC told him he couldn't, told them they couldn't, so, uh, Morrison just created Kipling <laughs> as, like, a, another occult detective. <laughs> so, fine, then. Yeah. Just they had other plans for Constantine? I who knows? This was the 90s. I don't, I don't fucking know. <laughs> And then I can't believe they put Animal Vegetable Mineral Man in this fucking show. That's insane. <laughs> He's he is funny. I I like him. Just his incl- <laughs> the actor too is really familiar. Yeah. Who plays him? Uh, Alec Mappa. He's a comedian. I've seen him in something else, like some other show, maybe. Oh, I'm thinking. That's a movie. Wait, yeah, movie. Excuse me. I've I've seen him on like a comedy series or something. It's on Ugly Betty. Maybe I've just seen him on commercials for Ugly Betty. There you go. Two Broke Girls, maybe? I don't know. He's been in a lot of like bit parts and comedy series. RuPaul's Drag You. Okay. As himself, a guest judge. Yeah. Okay. Well, he's great here. Yeah. I, I just, I can't believe they put in fucking... Animal, Vegetable, Mineral Man. And not even as, like, a main character. He's just, he just shows up on the news or whatever. And, like, the, the fact that they have him on trial and he pleads the fifth because he can't, he doesn't want to, or he doesn't want to testify against his, his <laughs> dinosaur head. <laughs> if anyone who hasn't watched this show, um, not, the lowdown version is, is that um, the, uh, oh, anyway, there's this part where you, they go to Argentina and people who pay enough money can be transformed into a super being. And <laughs> what I love about his character is he's so excited to be there. He's a total fanboy of this crazy Nazi scientist. And after the fact, like, you think he would be pissed yeah. because he comes out and he's got a raptor head on one shoulder and, like, what, a celery stalk for yeah. a hand. So you think he'd be so upset, but he's, like, so happy that, <laughs> that he's this weird, messed up... <laughs> super being I love the security cam footage of him robbing the store and the dinosaur head like bites him and <laughs> 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 get in a fight it is a very good bit of comic relief oh there he is so We're... Doom Patrol also showed up on an episode of The Brave and the Bold the Batman animated series called oh. the, Lo- the Last Patrol and um, it is packed with references to the Doom Patrol comics um, like there's a a scene where I can't remember which character I want to say negative man is like working at a circus sideshow and they show posters for Dorothy spinner and flex mentallo and, uh, they fight, uh, animal vegetable mineral man, as well as general Zal, Monsieur Mala and the brain and <laughs> all these characters who are doom patrol villains. Uh, and then, uh, the episode fucking ends with, General Zal trapping the Doom Patrol on his boat right next to this island that's like sparsely populated. There's like 200 people that live on it. And he goes, there's a button on the boat. Press it. Set off a bomb and kill yourself. If you don't do that, I'm going to blow up this this uh, island full of 200 people. It's, like, it's not a lot. It's not a city. It's it, it, Are your lives worth theirs? And the Doom Patrol decide to sacrifice themselves. But before they can, Batman saves the day and stops General Zal. He's like, oh, you got me. I'll accept. Beep. And the boat explodes and kills the Doom Patrol. Oh, wow. <laughs> In this fucking kid's show. I was like, Jesus. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> yeah, Because that, that's the Doom Patrol in a nutshell. They're constantly, I mean, dying. <laughs> They're one of the few comic books that's ha- that has had multiple major characters die and get replaced. They have the replacements die and get replaced. <laughs> it's a it's a dangerous crew to be a part of. Yeah, <laughs> and I just remember that was a very fucking cool episode of Brave and the Bold, because of how how well it handled the characters. 
but they've made multiple appearances in other media. There was uh, the Teen Titans animated series had a season that the Doom Patrol popped up in a few episodes. Um, I think they showed up in the finale of that series as well. They tied in their backstory to uh, Beast Boy because he was a former member. I believe on that show, Henry Rollins played uh, Robot Man. No, that was Brave and the Bold. Okay, okay. Apparently I need to watch Brave and the Bold too. A lot I need to add to my list here. Wait, now I'm curious. <laughs> I want to say somebody else played him in, like some voice actor played Cliff Steele in Teen Titans. And he was played by Peter Onorati in Teen Titans and Henry Rollins in Brave and the Bold. Like the Henry Rollins? Yes, the Henry No, the other Henry Rollins. Come on. Okay. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I did not know that he did. Yeah, he does, he does voice acting um, every once in a while. Whoa, he's in Teen Titans Go, played by Flula Borg. I did not know that. Flula, Borg's a, ugh, Flula Borg is a German comedian who is going to be in Suicide Squad. He's, oh. he's playing Javelin. I think you mentioned him in prior episodes. That's a hell of a name, Flula Borg. Yeah. He's a really fucking funny comedian. If, you've ever, if you ever get the chance, look him up on YouTube. He's got some great sets. Won't be disappointed, huh? There's a whole thing about the uh, about why Germans are villains in movies, <laughs> oh. and like it was a like an episode of Conan or something or Conan Absent. Like, how come Germans are so uh, so pervasive a villain? Like, does that offend you? He's like, no, no, it doesn't really offend me because I mean, you know, look at history. <laughs> like, <laughs> I get it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. All right, I'm gonna write that down on the list. I'll have to look up some of his stuff. Oh, while we're on the subject of characters that are included in this show, um, and, okay, I'm sorry, this grossed me out. <laughs> um, Beard Hunter. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a character from the comic. Uh-huh. He looks, uh, one of the things I really like about this is that they'll adapt a lot of weird characters like that um, and, like, give them costumes or gimmicks or whatever from the comic, but completely changed the way the character looks like beard hunter in the comic is this just muscle bound. I mean, he looks like a fucking superhero, you know, right. like he, he's yeah. blonde and, <laughs> and the beard hunter in the comic wears the same outfit, but he's this dumpy pudgy guy. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I just want to congratulate doom patrol. I've, I haven't gagged over a show <laughs> in a long time yeah. and I've watched human centipede recently but no it was a beard hunter that made me just yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's a gross son of a bitch he is a gross son of a bitch uh, yes. here's a good example of character translation oh um again like like characters that i never thought i'd ever see in live action were then like adapted into this not just adapted but like perfectly adapted <laughs> and here they are yeah uh, i'm looking right now at a comparison between comics and the show Various characters, um, Chief, uh, Mr. Nobody, mm-hmm. which is Alan Tudyk's character. Who we love. Cyborg, Silas Stone. Okay, get to the weird ones. Our Beard Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I love his little insignia on his yeah. uniform, too. Willoughby Kipling. She's just a dude in a trench coat and a scarf. That's his big thing. Flex Mentallo looks like exactly the same. Yeah. I was so fucking happy when they did Flex Mentallo. <laughs> Darren Jones. Bureau of, Bureau of Normalcy is not in the comics. It's a different organization. It's called, I think it's Shade, S-H-A-D-E. Um, there might be a different, uh, might be a different organization as well that I'm thinking of because there's a couple of those weird government acronyms in there. Oh, there's Dorothy Spinner. She comes in season two. Oh, right on. Um, uh, Dr. Time. Oh, wow. I remember seeing the images of him before season two came out. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's a dude with a big clock. Big clock head. <laughs> why not? Red Jack, another weird character that, again, is pretty well adapted. Just that odd design. He looks really cool. Oh, they didn't have the candle dude. Candle maker? Can... I think that's his name. There's this uh, enemy in season two that I think is a creation of Dor- Dorothy Spinner. And in the comic... He's just this weird, grotesque-looking creature with 
ring of candles around its head. And they managed to like make that on the show and make it look, <laughs> make it look real and creepy. And uh, well done. Yeah. 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 yeah the, um, it's one of those things that usually you'd think that, uh, well, so many years ago, you'd be like, no, this isn't, yeah. you can't adapt this. Yeah, exactly. You got to change it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but no, they do. And it's zany and it's weird, but also very grounded and a lot of fun. Yeah. And so, I mean, they, they focus on the, on the, the character's cores, you know, like the damaged people needing support and growing. Right. And when you have that as the core, you can be as fucking wacky as you want or as grotesque or weird or campy or whatever. And you can balance all of that as long as the core is strong. Right. It's the exact same reason why the Marvel Cinematic Universe does so well. It's just a completely different example of it. You know, the MCU um, stays true to their character's core and then makes um, accessible, wide-reaching comic book stories that, that, you know, have become a pop culture juggernaut. This takes the same approach, but to this weird, eclectic group of castaways. (laughs) (laughs) Who would not have found each other anyway else. Yeah, and this show has become incredibly popular just with a different audience. Well deserved. Yeah. And when is season three coming out? I don't know. It's it's just in the works. I don't even think they're filming yet. Um, they, I don't know. They may be. Who the fuck knows? Yeah. Um, but I, there's not a release date set. That's for sure. But they are filming, or they will. Film. I I don't know. They're they're either filming or they're writing. And you know these things though. <laughs> not not this thing because they they just they just announced the new cast member. That's that's as far as I know. Okay. I haven't seen any set pics, so I don't know if they are actually filming. But I, I'm just glad that it didn't get, like, shunted away or, or just killed off when the the uh, streaming app went under. Exactly. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. It was no Swamp Thing. <laughs> <laughs> it lives on. Yeah. Which is swamp nice. Thing's death greatly predates the death of DC Universe, though. <laughs> True. But, yeah, it's, it's nice to see shows like this that, that connect with people. You know, it's this weird world of zany goings on <laughs> that has really clicked in uh, fans and new fans as well. Like I, I explained the finale of this season to somebody like when it came out, like, no, you've got to watch fucking Doom Patrol, man. It ends with a giant rat and a giant cockroach making out. <laughs> oh, what's the cockroach's name again? Uh, I can't remember. Oh, it's played by Curtis Armstrong though, the, <laughs> of the Revenge of the Nerds fame. Does Curtis do any more voice work in the show? Because... I don't think so. Okay. He's done a lot of work, or voice work, just in general. Let's see. Is that his name, Curtis Armstrong? Just fucking up names left and right. Um, That's why we have the internet. It's okay. Who the fuck is a character? It's, I can't remember the cockroach. Um, can't even remember the rat's name. It was like Captain something. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, God damn it. Funny episode. But I just remember at the end when the roach, uh, Ezekiel the cockroach. Ezekiel, thank you. Is played by Curtis Armstrong. I was right about that. You were. <laughs> when the first season ends, when they, when they uh, face off and uh, the cockroach and the rat fall in love with each other. <laughs> and I can't, I, the cock, I, fuck, I can't remember who says what. I think it's the rat. It says, baby, I'm going to spread you like the plague. Oh, <laughs> Admiral Whiskers. Admiral Whiskers. Yes. yes. Okay. <laughs> this is Batman origin. He's from Batman. No, it's just he has the same origin as Batman. Oh, 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 okay. His yes, yes. parents get killed, <laughs> so he swears vengeance. Right. <laughs> oh, poor Admiral Whiskers. Yeah. Admiral Whiskers and Ezekiel are made up for the show. They're new additions. Oh. When they first introduced Ezekiel, I, there was like constant articles about like. Yeah, no. We realize this feels like a Grant Morrison thing, but it's not. It's not. It's not from the comic. This is actually a new character. <laughs> it works out perfectly. <laughs> one of Crazy Jane's, uh, one of her personalities is not from the comic either. One of her like well, well used ones. Um, Hammerhead's from the comic, isn't it? Yeah, it's. Uh, wait, which one's Hammerhead? <laughs> a really angry. Super angry. Ancestors. Oh, it's Silver Tongue. That's the one that's made up for the show. 
when she always has she has like silver shit dripping out of her mouth. Yes. And every time she speaks, the the words become like razors. Yes. It's a very visual power, and they probably just invented it for the show to give her a power that's more visual and more threatening. Oh, fair enough. It is very threatening. <laughs> the others are somewhat defensive and or just within her, you know, like fucking what's her name? Uh, um, ah, uh, the little kid one. Yeah, baby doll. There was another one I was thinking of though. The one that's God damn it. Penny Farthing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They also did a very good job on that. Oh, and I forgot they folded Black Annis in with her. Um, this is a different character in the comic, I believe, that gets folded in with Is that her? So there's one character that she plays later on. Or later on, one of her personalities becomes like this, uh, um, like guru, like religious leader. Yes, yeah. That is actually a different character in the comic. Okay. And it's from a it's from a later run in Doom Patrol. And in this, they folded in with one of her personalities. I thought that was a really clever way to combine them. Look at his ankles. That's too skinny. <laughs> that robot suit doesn't go all the way down. So going back to Rachel Pollock for a minute, I mentioned that she wrote, uh, so she's trans and she created the character Coagula. Uh, One of my favorite fucking stories of all time is how she got the job to write Doom Patrol. Okay. So Grant Morrison was writing it. Grant Morrison was about to leave. um, And Rachel Pollock was at a party in New York and she met Tom Payer, who's a Vertigo editor at the time. And she told him at the party, like, man, I love Doom Patrol. It's one of the only comics that I read. And if I were to ever write a comic book, it would be the comic book that I'd write. And he said, well, like, have you ever written a comic before? Give give me a script. So she sent him a script and he said, like, okay, well, we'll we'll have you replace Morrison. Sounds good. Um, But they kept it under wraps. And then she started doing letters to the editor in Doom Patrol. So she'd write in to the editor, who was Tom Payer, and claimed to be this huge Doom Patrol fangirl. And she had this whole, like, voice that she would use as, like, a ditzy, like, valley girl. Like, I totally love Doom Patrol. <laughs> and I really want to write it. And this went on for, like, a few weeks. So she's like, I, please let me write it. And he's like, no, you can't write it. And then the last letter, um, when in Grant Morrison's last issue... She wrote in and said, like, look, I really need this job. I already told my parents I got the job. Please give me this job. And so he was like, well, I guess that seals it, guys. Um, next issue is going to be written by Rachel Pollock, the fangirl that wants the job. <laughs> Apparently some fans, like, freaked out because they didn't didn't get that this was a joke. Going for like, what? <laughs> yeah, and so the payer then used the response to that letter to officially announce that Rachel Pollock was, in fact, taking over the book. As a result of these letters being printed, uh, some people were uh, believed that the letters, the letter column, was how she actually got the job. <laughs> uh, that's funny. She's got a great sense of humor too. Yeah. And I just love how meta the comic got back, even back in the '90s. You know, this was uh, the the fact that they were using the letters column to set up this whole false narrative <laughs> of how the writer got the job. Well, that's a clever way to do it. So Rita's power has changed a bit in the in the show as well. Mm-hmm. And this is just a big, massive blob of flesh that grows. And in the comic, she's basically just a... Like, she can, she can get big. <laughs> she becomes Giant Man or whatever. The 60-foot-tall woman type of deal. Yeah. You know what's funny about this character, too? She's not the only Elastigirl. Well, and this actually um, is a weird bit of, like, legal comic book wrangling so the main main character in this is named rita far elastigirl yes in the incredibles um mr incredible's wife is named elastigirl helen parr oh my god that's right yeah (laughs) yeah so helen parr rita far that's really weirdly close that is especially to have the same power set or a similar power set, rather, and the same name, the same superhero name. Yep. So um, Disney and Pixar, whoever fucking produced the, sh- the, the movie, was able to use the name Elastigirl 
for the character in the movie, but they couldn't use that name on any marketing or toys or anything. So officially, like in the toys or in comics or like whenever you see her name on advertising, her name is actually Mrs. Mrs. Incredible. But within the movie, it's Elastigirl. <laughs> it's like the whole Shazam Captain Marvel thing. Yes. You yeah. can you can call the character Captain Marvel in the comic, but for marketing purposes and for like titles, he has to be called Shazam. There you go. Although oh. not anymore. Not yet, yeah. Circumvented that. That's one of those things that like I don't fucking care. I'm always gonna call that character Captain Marvel. He's been Captain Marvel for my entire life and for <laughs> for like 60 years. And now because of a court ruling, he has to be Shazam. Which doesn't make any sense. That means he says his own name. <laughs> means he says his own name to turn... Like he can't say his name or else he turns into a little kid. It seems a little backwards. <laughs> Plus that's also the name of the wizard. You have two characters named Shazam in a story called Shazam. That's also the magic word Shazam. Like it's too too complicated. Why do that to yourself? <laughs> DC actually originally, when, when they made the change from Captain Marvel to Shazam as his name, there was a comic in between that called Flashpoint, which was this alternate universe story. It's fucking dumb. It was right, well, that, that itself wasn't dumb, but it led into the new 52, mm-hmm. which was fucking dumb. Yes, it was. Um, in Flashpoint, he was called Captain Thunder. Okay. Like, just do that! Right. Fucking call him Captain Thunder! <laughs> Can't just Captain Marvel anymore. Call him fucking Captain Thunder. That's a better, that's a name that fits. You know, his power comes to him through thunder. It harkens back to Captain Marvel. It ties in with the Thunderbolt logo or whatever. But And it's not Shazam. It's not just his goddamn name. <laughs> well, <laughs> I've been heated about this for 10 years. <laughs> Understandably so. Never let it go. <laughs> Damn it. Well, you know, it is rather silly that someone would scream out their own name before transforming into a super being. But <laughs> well, and in like they, I don't know if they address it or not, but like in one of the movies, uh, Justice League War, the like the new Fifty Two first movie, uh, when he meets Flash, he's like, "Hi, I'm Shazam," and like nothing happens. He's just <laughs> like, "You, that's literally his thing." <laughs> Shouldn't that be like, poof? There was even a joke about it in, well, not that, but in the comics for a long time, Captain Marvel Jr., his word to to power up was Captain Marvel. He'd say, Captain Marvel, and then he'd turn into Captain Marvel Jr. And it was brought up the fact that he's a superhero who can't say his own name. (laughs) And the fact that that was actually addressed, but they don't address it for Shazam or Captain Marvel Sr., whatever. Maybe they do address it, but if they do, I don't care. I don't like that. I don't. I like that they have to address it. It's a different name. Just they make it unnecessarily complicated. Okay. And the team's coming together. See, and that's an, so I uh, remember Swamp Thing takes him fucking an hour to turn into Swamp Thing. Uh-huh. Like the opening of this is Robot Man turning into Robot Man. <laughs> that's true. That's true. And uh, everyone else, like you know, you see their their origins kind of in flashback, but almost not really because their their origins kind of almost don't matter. Mm-hmm. It makes them who they are, but it's it's more about dealing with who you are right. than focusing on how you got that way. That is a very valid point, yeah. And plus we get all that stuff in episodes to come. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting. It's, it's it, I think it makes these characters more rich in that it's not, it's, it's about, like all the facets of what make you you are equally important. And the flashbacks and then the dwelling on the past don't aren't all handled at the beginning. Like it, no, it's no. tangled with the rest of, of the present and the future and all that. Exactly. There's the complex shit that goes on in everyone's head. Right. Well, especially with uh, um, all of them, all of them in, in uh, again, words, hard English. Huh? Anyhow. All of these characters and their backstories, like you alluded to, uh, like if we had to see Jane's backstory within yeah. the first, the very first thing of the pilot, then that would be entirely its own show. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that they do with her that I really like is that when you first meet her, you're like, wow, this person is, you know, they obviously have issues. They're kind of an asshole. But as the show goes along, and you're like, oh, well, yeah, you know, if I had that much swimming around in my head, I might be a bit of an asshole, yeah. too. 
Um, but again, they don't feed it to you all at once. And um, the characters are more, more multifaceted. Christ, you talk now. You go ahead. I love the episode where they go into Jane's uh, mind as well. That's the one. Um, that's so interesting. And that's also right out of Morrison's comic. That's exactly what it looked like and what the characters looked like and uh, what her psyche looks like in the comic. That was one of my favorite episodes of the first season. And isn't Black Annis shows up in that, right? Maybe. I, I think so. Um, I also, a few of the Doom Patrol characters have been turned into toys. Do you of have the, any of these? Yeah, of the DC, DC Universe, uh, what was it called? DC Universe Classics. DC Universe Classics. It was a toy line that ran from like 2003 or four or so until just a couple of years ago. And it changed names a few times. <laughs> but <laughs> the core of the toy line is called DC Universe Classics. And they made a Robot Man toy um, that had a removable headpiece so you could see his, his brain underneath. And then they made uh, Negative Man. They made two versions of Negative Man. One where he's all wrapped up. And then one where his bandages are coming off. So you could see the, the like translucent blue skin underneath. Oh, cool. That one looked really cool. I have that version. Not the, not the main one. And then a couple years later, when the toy line transitioned to like collector only online, they made a big, tall uh, Elastigirl to go along with them. Do you have that one? Yep. And then they also made a two-pack of Monsieur Mala and the Brain, which are two villains. The Brain's, like, casing shows up in an episode. The Doom Patrol Patrol episode. <laughs> uh, Mento is talking about fighting the Brain, and you see his, his little shell. <laughs> yeah. Um, what episode of the first season does Mento finally show up in? Doom Patrol Patrol. Is that... Okay, it is that one. Yeah. All right. I get some of the patrol patrols next up. <laughs> I don't remember which numbered episode it is, but that's the name of it. It's a good episode. You see, like, the public face of the Doom Patrol or whatever, the, the house. <laughs> yeah. That's not at all what it seems. <laughs> now, um, in terms of the writers of this show, who are the writers of the show? I've heard, their, well, I've heard their names before connected with other stuff. Um, but, yeah. Obviously not that big of a I mean, there, big of surprise there's a the writer's room, so there's going to be a whole lot of writers. The showrunner, if that's what you're talking show about. Showrunner, yes, um, please. It's developed by Jeremy Carver. I don't know. Let's see. Um, oh, he did like the American being. Oh, he was, worked, he was a producer on Supernatural. Yes, okay. That's where I've heard the name then before. Which is funny, because the guy who plays um, God damn, Willoughby. Yeah, he was on Supernatural. Yeah. Mark Shepard, I think is his name. I think so. And he's a really fun actor. Yeah. He's on uh, uh, Firefly. Oh, is he? It's Badger. I don't think I've watched Fire... Well, I haven't watched Firefly in forever. He's also on Doctor Who. He, uh, he played a young version of his own father on that show. His <laughs> father's an actor as well named uh, Morgan Shepard. And Morgan Shepard played the old version of this character, and Mark Shepard played the young version of it. One of my favorite stories about Morgan Shepard is he's in the 2009 Star Trek movie. He plays a Vulcan on the Vulcan science, whatever, the science council. And um, when he came back to record like the ADR after the fact, J.J. Abrams was like, oh, okay, then come on in. So did you have did you have a good time filming it? And he was like, yeah, the director's an idiot, though. <laughs> and, like, not knowing that that was him. He's like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> Ooh, donkey farts. The mind is the limit. Yes. Speaking of donkeys. I, li I really like the way they do uh, Mr. Nobody here, too. It's a really weird design. And it's a really odd, like, the design in the comic is like, impossible to translate. <laughs> right. He's just so fucking weird looking. I mean, you could do it as, like, a CGI creature or animated or whatever. Um, but the way they do it is kind of blending the CGI with some of his face. I like that you still get some of his performance in there instead of, it's not just vocal. Exactly, exactly. And uh, it looks really unsettling, too. Yeah. It could have looked really cheesy, but they made it look creepy. And he's clearly having the time of his life with that character. <laughs> he is. 
Oh, the end. We love him so. Yeah. So yeah, uh, it's never to go for me. <laughs> I uh, really like the uh, just the the. It, it's a really good example of adapting. You know, like they let it be weird. They adapted what needed to be, but kept the what people come for. <laughs> like fans are coming to Doom Patrol to see fucking weird Doom Patrol. <laughs> right. Right. Um, well, I thought it sucked, as you know. Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> no, it's great. It's a big old piece of donkey shit. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's a fantastic show. Um, and even like, again, I, I keep stressing this because that's one thing I hear from people, uh, a few of my friends who do listen to our podcast and they're kind of intimidated because they're like, I don't know anything about comics. It's like, you don't have to know anything about comics to enjoy this. Yeah, no, no, no. Um, if you like offbeat humor and you know, urban fantasy and just well-told stories, then this is a great show. Yeah. Well, especially, like, these adaptations are specifically designed for new people. Right. You know, Swamp Thing is an origin story. This is, a, you get more out of it if you've read the comics, sure, but it's it's introducing you to these characters. And really, that that's what an adaptation should do. It, mm-hmm. it shouldn't be only for the hardcore fans. It should, it should be rewarding to them, but it should be just as rewarding to new people. I mean, hell, there's a lot of references in this season that I didn't get, that I looked up. You know, like, oh, that's who that character is. In the uh, Doom Patrol episode of Titans, there's a character that Chief is is uh, tinkering with or something. I can't remember. And that's a character from the comic, and I had no idea. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. There's something for everybody, by golly. Yeah, it's a great show, and I'm glad that it's still going, and you should watch it. Where to go, go. Yeah, it's on, uh, the you know, the whole series is on HBO Max. Um, it. Also, like I mentioned before, it's, it's on Blu-ray. Like, I, I own it on Blu-ray. Um, so, buy it. <laughs> it's, it's readily available. Fuck, you can get it at Walmart for $9 right now, I think, on DVD. Oh, there you go, yeah. Warner Brothers has been really good about their distribution of these shows on disc. Like, they typically the season comes out on disc just like a month or two after the season ends on streaming. And, uh, and it's, you can find them everywhere. Fucking Walmart, Target, it's wherever you go. Um, and I would highly recommend getting into this show. And they make a, you know, make, make nice shelf candy. Looks good on my shelf there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes, yes. Along with the James Whale, it all comes together so nicely. Yeah. James Whale, who directed the pilot episode of Taggart. <laughs> oh, Taggart. As we all know. <laughs> well, now I'm, now I'm fucking curious. <laughs> But a wonderful show. Yeah. Find it and watch it. Binge it. We're still in the midst of a pandemic. Stay home and watch Doom Patrol. Yeah, exactly. You'll be glad you did. Pretty sure HBO HBO Max is cheap, right? Yeah. So yeah, just it's just do it. Fucking do it. <laughs> um yeah, so end of the show time. Don't have any comments. Wait. Let me double check. Make sure if we got any reviews from last time. Probably not. What's coming up next for our dear listeners? Just a minute. Okay, no, no, no reviews. <laughs> um, so, suppose we should address the Snyder Cut shaped elephant in the room. <laughs> That's going to be by the time this episode comes out, it, it'll already be out. That's true. Fuck. That's wow. Oh, Time. Yeah. Time's weird. <laughs> Every day we march inevitably closer to our inevitable demise. <laughs> And all we can do is cling on to the Snyder Cut flotsam and thread <laughs> close. That's weird. So, anyway, Snyder Cut's going to be out by the time this comes out, so we're going to have to watch it. I will do my damnedest to tertiarily tie it into Vertigo um, to give us an excuse to finally fucking get over that. <laughs> <laughs> no, come for the bonfire. It'll be fun. Yeah. So, yeah, Snyder Cut. And then um, uh, I talked a while, a while ago about wanting to read Human Target. And spoiler alert, I've already fucking read it. So I'm, <laughs> I'm on the last couple issues of the ongoing series now in my own life. So, uh, yeah, I'd like to talk about the original Human Target... Well, fuck. Vertigo's original Human Target miniseries. And then do an episode about that. So I guess that's what we're looking at. Snyder Cut and, uh, and then Human Target. Fuck, what did I just <laughs> say? God damn it. We knew you'd get there. Um... <laughs> And who knows, for all I know, I'm completely isolating reader or listeners by talking so derisively about the Snyder Cut. Because it has its fans. It does. Fuck, there was enough people 
interested in it to get the a major studio to say, yeah, here's $70 million. Fucking finish your dumb movie. <laughs> and I know people who aren't even fans of the movie, but they think that Zack Snyder deserves the shot to share his vision. So, yeah, we're, we're just the assholes who don't like the Snyder Cut. <laughs> One of my favorite comments just the other day, because Zack Snyder has not shut up about this. He's got another movie coming out, you know? Does he? Like, within a couple months. But hasn't said word one about it because he's so hung up on this movie that he made three and a half years ago. <laughs> um, but anyway, he, uh, he fucking, where was I going with that? Um, he's got another movie coming out, but he's still spending all this time talking about the Snyder Cut. And Christ, why was I? Oh, uh, he, he just came out uh, a, a few weeks ago and was like, you know, I didn't even take uh, pay for this. Like, I, I didn't take pay to make the Snyder Cut. And somebody commented, like, did you get paid the first time you made the movie? <laughs> like, because that's, like, literally, that's, you are you did get paid. Yes. Don't do that. <laughs> yes. You got paid. <laughs> this is on you now, spending your time and energy on this. Right. This is not about you helping some poor, small, independent filmmaker, like, you know, come to a wider audience. <laughs> Oh, dear. So, yeah, that's a really misshapen elephant. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, Snyder Cut, human target, gonna gonna take my medicine and then have fun. Like, <laughs> Snyder Cut medicine and then enjoy talking about the next thing. <laughs> we might, uh, Colby might be on Quaaludes for that episode, but we'll see. So, end of the show time, like and subscribe and make sure to share the episodes and fucking tell everyone, tell uh, your great aunt in Michigan to listen to the show. Right. You know what else she would probably be a fan of? Taggart. <laughs> Go find the first season of Taggart. Look it up. It's probably streaming on some platform. Like Brit Box. Stellar show. Yeah. Uh, like and subscribe. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter at Vertigo Voices. Instagram Vertigo Voices. Or email us at our email address, which is vertigovoices at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Yeah, thanks, and see you next time for <sighs> the Snyder Cut. Dun, dun, dun.